0: Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated.
1: Welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 94. Dave, welcome.
0: Thanks. Well, I'll tell you what, for our special end of the summer podcast. Okay. uh, Which was all set up, if you want to know how did where did the whole end of the summer podcast special, where, how was it derived? It came from, oh, we have to do a podcast. (laughs) We haven't done one in a while. Yeah. So I've made it the special end of the summer podcast and I'm sitting on my porch oh, at nice. uh in the at Ocean View where I've been for most of the summer. But that's gonna end soon. So I figured it'd be good to do a beautiful day, another beautiful day. The weather's been spectacular here for the last cool. couple of weeks. So anything you, can happen. If if somebody comes by Dave, hey, what's up? I'll just say I'm doing a podcast.
1: <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm, I'm sure no one will be that disrupted. And for me, if my dog starts barking, I'll just tell him, I'm doing a podcast, man. I'm, I'm doing a it.
0: podcast.
1: Kind of tilt his head at me like he's trying to understand what I'm saying.
0: Right.
1: Um, okay, so you've spent, I mean, you've spent the whole summer pretty much at the beach. You didn't do any other traveling um, besides I Besides,
0: no, I've been at the beach pre- from July 4th, with the exception of going back home to get for the uh, Senior Olympic Pickleball debacle,
1: which we're not Please. going to waste
0: too much time on. Oh, it.
1: come on. Now, now that you introduced that, we have to waste some time on it.
0: <laughs> is going to be a,
1: of great interest to people.
0: All right. Fast forward if you want financial information. You know how to do it with these podcasts. Yeah, but so... So basically, I started playing pickleball here at the beach when they built a court. I didn't know what it was, so I'm like, now I play almost all doubles, but I played singles, and I'm still in pretty good shape for a 60-year-old. I mean, I can run around. So the Maryland National Senior Games were to qualify for the, the Senior Olympics, which are in Pittsburgh next July. Um, So I go to to that. As a 3.5 rated, it's like tennis ratings. And I rated myself 3.5. I could have either tried for 3.0 or below, but that's not the goal. Or 3.5 and above. And the bottom line is, I just got, I just got my butt kicked in that 3.5 and above. I was arguably, if I didn't play in the other division, they broke us into two sets of sixes. Arguably the worst player there. Not that I'm bad, but and I did okay against under three point fives, but there are other there are four point and above there, and there are national champions there and local champions
1: and I Google will vouch. I will vouch, I mean, even though I'm a much, much less experienced pickleball player, I will vouch for you to say that you are not a terrible player. You know, in fact you
0: No, I'm not pretty a terrible much player
1: you know, with no problem, one arm tied behind your back.
0: Nah, that's not true, but that doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, in these ratings, I I rated myself a 3.5, but against this competition, even if it was all just 3.5, it would have been very difficult. So I signed up for Delaware, because I'm kind of like a dual resident person. I signed up for Delaware, um, For that was 10 days later, and in day three of my training for that one, I sort of, strain, the calf, and hamstring. hamstring, oh. just trying to – so the bottom line is I had to withdraw from that one. That one would have been a better tournament for me. It was all three points. Nobody cares about this. The bottom line is – I think the, they actually I, do. <laughs> okay. Well, here's, here's the bottom line. It is good. Here's how it relates to what we do. As you do, as you're retired, I strongly recommend, as an older person myself now, having turned 60 in January, do stuff that you enjoy. It, it doesn't hurt to really have – try to do things that weren't your job, or in my case, aren't my job, that are you're really into. Um, and this is good for me because I can keep going. Do you know in singles – forget about doubles. Singles, if you never played singles pickleball, it is – Steve will attest to this. It's a workout. It's
1: not – Oh, playing. yeah. <laughs> I mean, doubles pickleball, you, you know, you've got to have – some hand eye coordination, but you're not running all over the court nearly as much. Singles. Singles. Hey, you're running. Yeah. It's a
0: workout. So if you've ever played it and Steve, you grew up in the eighty forget about the sixty to sixty four men's division one. In the Maryland Senior Olympics, there were like six guys signed up for the eighty to eighty four. Wow. Maryland did you, Division did
1: you stick around and watch them play for a while? or No,
0: they were at a different oh. time than I was. So oh. I didn't get to see
1: anyone. But I
0: did see some of the, uh, before my stuff was going on, I did see some of the 65 to 69 guys. Okay. Who were, and they were terrific. Just terrific players. I mean, I was watching them, and I'm like, uh-oh. I already knew I was in trouble. I did my research. I already knew right. I was playing these great players, so I knew I had really that much of a chance. But when I watch the 65 to 69, guys, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the shape I have to be in at 65 to 69? This is, like, challenging. But, again, to me, that's what it's all about, whether your hobby or whatever you think you might be good at or really like to do. It doesn't have to – obviously, it might not be singles pickleball, but it's all these other things. Do that. Pursue that. Get into all that stuff. Okay. Okay it's fun i mean you know and you have more time
1: so all right well i like you you kept saying nobody's interested i think people will love that part of it um and my summer uh, let's just say i am very glad that my kids are now back in school and they've got something (laughs) to occupy them all day long which i think everybody knows how that feels um all right, let's get down to talking about the investment world. So when we last checked in in July, um, we were talking about um, how the second quarter, second quarter ending the end of June, that was one of the worst quarters for stocks in the history of investing in stocks. And you know when I say one of the worst quarters, to put it exactly, it was the sixteenth worst quarter that you've ever seen for investing in large cap u s stocks and if you expanded beyond that and you went into other asset classes, you talked about the nasdaq, you talked about small cap stocks, all of that pretty pretty darn bad now right.
0: and when you put that in real perspective, we've had about four hundred quarters over the last one hundred years,
1: right. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about not a sample size of 50 and saying, okay, it was the 16th worst. You're right. We're coming up on, you know, just short of 400 there. So, um, you know, one of the things, and this might be kind of repetitive if you've done a review, um, you know, if you're one of our clients and you've done a review with us recently, um, but one of the charts that we've been showing to people, and I'm, I'm sure everyone's seen similar things like this before, um, but showing them one of these charts that basically says after a really bad quarterly stock market performance, what's the return on average one year later, three years later, five years, and 10 years? And I show people the whole chart that shows, you know, all of these terrible quarters, but the averages tell us that on average after that bad quarter, Stocks are up 18.6% one year later, almost 40% three years later, 65% five years later, and so on. So the big picture takeaway here is after bad stock market quarters, historically, you have pretty good returns in the next, you know, one, three, five, and 10 years. Now, that's not a guarantee. You know, every situation is a little bit different. And, you know, our current situation could be that stocks, you know, maybe they are negative a year later. Maybe they just kind of tread water. You know, I I sort of think that's what we're going to see are these up and downs, you know, where stocks are, for instance, in July, stocks were up 9%. In August, they were back down 4%. And, you know, as of today, September 1st, they're getting off to a pretty lousy start today. So, you know, my prediction is basically stocks are going to do this for a while. You know, you're going to have a good month, a bad month, you know, maybe a couple of bad months, a couple of good months. And they're just going to, you know, be very choppy up and down for a while. And it's really not going to be until we start to see some inflation readings come in much lower We start to see corporate earnings being solid throughout, you know, the inflation, not having, you know, the inflationary pressure on them. That's when we might actually start to see, you know, some sort of recovery there. Yeah. You know what?
0: I'm going to, as part, I'm going to interrupt you. As part of our end of summer special, as (laughs) I'm sitting out here on my porch. So I've had this summer a chance to talk to so many retirees. Yeah, virtually, with the exception of a couple who live down here, virtually all of whom are not our clients. (laughs) And the reality is it goes, and this is, you know, we've been through what a a million times, we say it. But when you talk to people, it resonates so much better. The notion of by the time you're retired, you better have a good retirement income plan put together there that makes you feel confident. Because, and part of what I'm going to say is, is a credit to other advisors who do the same thing that we basically do. And when I say the same thing, I don't mean necessarily with all particular investments, but they look at their clients who are retired and say, you have to feel confident that the combination of your social security, whatever pension you have, if you have any, and what we've put together
1: mm-hmm. makes
0: you feel good about what you're spending every month. So you don't have to panic when the, when the stocks are down. Yeah, and, and everybody has lip-serviced that notion since 2010, basically, or 2011 when things started to go back up again, or 2012. Yep. If you're going to say, I, I got over the 2008 hangover by 2012, then it's been a decade of things basically going up, and that lesson of retirement income fading as every year past 2008 went on. So no, now when you look at at it, some advisors who put together this is from this is anecdotal from me being here what they put together some of them are are plans which sound good but don't you know haven't hit the mark now that we're actually having it's been a lot of podcasts since that height of this market yep it's been a lot of podcasts since S&P was almost at 4900 <laughs> so yep. And now what you're seeing, what I'm seeing in real time with real people is I'm worried about the market. Yeah, but
1: – and I'll say,
0: you know, they look at all the things you say, all the, the stuff you put together, which is extremely compelling. Steve, all you're about – and even look at this last quarter and how things are going to come back. But what if they don't? And I say to myself – because we'll, we'll get into this. Talk with these people, and then the end of the talk is I don't want to get to the end because I know that their advisor has not put together any kind of real retirement income plan for them, right. and I know from the conversation they don't have a pension. So I'm not going there because I'm not interested in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not well, interested because in, in, in getting involved in their client advisor, related. that's your issue, friend.
1: Yeah, but I mean the, the end of line that. Is, the end of that talk is just going to be, well, I hope it comes back in time. You know, I hope that everything recovers in time, um, which is probably going to be true, but it's not, it's not definitive enough. Exactly. Exactly. It's not
0: definitive enough. You, they haven't had that conversation or that, spef, you know, specific game plan. Right. You know, that says this is why exactly you just don't have to worry about it. You got wow. X, X, and X coming in every month. This is how much money you have. That's not, you know, all inequities. And regardless of what happens down the road, we don't have to play that game of panicking with real, you know, specific examples in your portfolio versus ever getting into the nebulous. Well, you know
1: it's going to come back. How do I know? Um, you know, as as you're talking about this, I mean, this is <laughs> the next thing I had on the show notes here was to talk about the bond market um, because I I think that a lot of investors and certainly a lot of advisors have gotten used to this idea that whenever stocks go down, bonds will go up, and if we went back and we looked at that over the past ten or fifteen years, that's probably you know. If not 100%, you know, very, very highly true. You know, most of the time that's correct. Stocks go down, bonds will go up, and that is not at all what we've seen so far this year. Um, you know, just to put some numbers to it, as of uh, August the 30th, I have this, so a day or two old, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index down 10.4%. The U.S. corporate bond index down 13.5%. And the global Barclays aggregate, so outside the U.S., down 15.5% year to date. So for people who have said, oh, well, we've got you diversified, we've got you in stocks and bonds, and you know what, if the stocks go down, we'll just take money out of the bonds there. Um, You know, this is where this is where I think we've really differed from a lot of advisors where we have incorporated things like annuities, um, you know, and we don't want to go down a whole annuity discussion right now, but there's a bunch of different types of annuities, whether they're variable annuities or fixed index annuities, or they have guarantees for principal or guarantees for income. But I mean, that's, you know, right here, this is a great case of saying, Hey, bonds are getting hurt now. Hopefully, you know most of our bonds aren't down nearly as much as that because we're much shorter-term bonds. Um, but that's that's a great case to go back and say, hey, this is why we hold annuities um, because we've got some sort of guarantee, whether it's income, whether it's principal, um, that's not subject to to the same swings that bonds. Right. And
0: and I just want to throw out because it's on my mind, and it it's always. During different times, where you and I—this is in the weeds of what you and I do—so we read everything. Mm -hmm. It's always in better times that you'll start to get into the nuance of these arguments amongst advisors, who are basically, you know, in no circumstance whatsoever would I ever use an annuity versus advisors who are just open to whatever's out there, what fits the client the best way versus the products we can do. And the argument, as you start to break down, just like with the people I talk to out here, going from the dominoes start to fall, right? The dominoes are falling with a long bear market in stocks. The dominoes might be falling with, you know, even bonds aren't doing well right now. So you get to, well, what happens to a year like this? And they say, well, in that year, this is the, you know, we'll say people who would never, who would just say they – or blanket, I hate annuities as their stance. In
1: right. those
0: years, clients will have to spend less.
1: Right. That's,
0: now you read it.
1: It's not so a very satisfying.
0: But you and I've read this and we're like, wow. I mean, you can write it now in 2019 and if things are great, you can write that. And only right. people like you and I are reading it amongst our other fellow. But in the real world, oh, Okay, well, I guess in 2022 you'll spend less. Huh. <laughs> it's interesting how inflation didn't get the memo.
1: Yeah. Well, I you know what I would say when we talk about, you know, bonds just this carnage in in the bond market, um, you know, I would say and like I said, even in the shorter term bonds, you know, there's been some pain there, but the silver lining for bond investors is that yields are actually reasonable on bonds now. So, you know, just as an example, a year ago right now, if you wanted to get a one year government bond, so you said, you know what, I'm going to put my money with the government for one year. You got a tenth of a percent in interest, a you know, one tenth of one percent. So basically you were getting nothing. Now you put your money with a in a one year government bond, you're getting three point three percent interest. So this is actually a really good thing when we talk about okay, we're we're going to have much better interest going forward on bonds. Had to put up with some pain in the short term. Now you know, hopefully you, you had short term bonds like you know we've talked about. Um, But the yields on on bonds are just going to be so much better than we've seen in the past. You know, a lot of people were putting up with one and a half percent yield on a a short-term bond fund. Now, as long
0: as you're – okay, but as long as you're (laughs) – let's say the years of pain are 22 and 23. As long as you don't have to panic about what you're doing and you you slash your advisor know what you're doing, there's always a silver lining to the pain. As yeah. you've just described, you just got to right. get through the painful period in a non-panic, uh, non-emotional mode.
1: Right. No, you're you're right. There <laughs> there is always you know for every action an equal opposite reaction applies to the investment world too. So, um, but you've got to make it through to that to that less painful time. Um, and if you don't have a, a good plan set up, if you don't have the you know, good uh, financial plan overall, you're just not going to get there. So the other thing that, that I wanted to touch on here has been um, this really, this big shift in the the stock market investing in growth versus value. And we've probably talked about this a couple times in the last year or so, but this really has been the biggest shift is the past decade or so growth oriented investing. So think about Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Tesla, all of these growth companies that has really dominated versus the more boring value oriented investing. Um and that's totally flip-flop this year. And you know, it it looks like that'll probably continue for a little while. But I always caution people let's not get overly enamored with one or the other. Like, let's not sit here and fall in love with value investing because value investing has held up better this year than, than growth. Because those things tend to be very cyclical. They tend to flip-flop very quickly. And all of a sudden you're, you're saying, well, gosh, you know, that growth, those growth stocks, they, they were a, on a big discount and I should have bought those. Um so i I think that's something that tempting for people to to try to play that timing game, but I, you know I think your better strategy is just to be broadly diversified, have exposure to both of those things and not try to try to time that right it's, it's, and it's you remember i mean you and I remember, so I remember
0: vividly saying, hmm <laughs> whenever you start in our circle, start reading articles is value investing dead
1: yeah. I always
0: put in a question because no one would have the guts to say value investing is dead. (laughs) But instead, they say, is value investing dead? And then they put all this evidence out there. You're like, wow, that was compelling. But I do know from my past history of following this that when they say, is value investing dead, it's not. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, I'm going to say for everybody out there, when you read financial articles or watch political channels, whatever they put into a question, is value investing dead? Right. Don't just assume the question is the answer. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a very good rule of thumb, because, you know, why are they raising it? Well, they got a lot of airtime to fill. They've got to come up with a, a compelling topic. And, you know, when when an asset class is getting beaten down, it's easy to pile on. Right. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, growth, investing really just overvalued, everybody fell in love with the tech sector, and this is the next tech crash and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's easy to pile on and make that case when it's beaten down. But then all of a sudden, if it snaps back, you know, you're you're not doing a special about that. You're just <laughs> you're just not going to talk about it.
0: Right. And then in our business, it's like, what's the evidence, not just after a while? I mean, you, they were coming up with evidence that was pretty good 10-year numbers, but when you start to look at the evidence beyond that, which is what we've always done 15, 20, 25 years, and you see how tight value and growth is over that type of historical outlook, you know, the the, the one part of your brain says, that was compelling, but let's see what plays out.
1: Hey, along those lines, one one last thought I had on here, because I I got an email about this um, from a client. And uh, they, they sent this email about this strategist, Harry Dent. Um, I, I'm sure we've talked about this guy at some point in the past. You know, when people bring up somebody like this, you know, I always tell them, I said, listen, there are probably three or four guys who are always predicting a crash of a lifetime that I could rattle off off the top of my head. Um, you know, Harry Dent, Peter Schiff. Uh, this guy Jim, what's his name, Jim Rickles, and they're always, crash of a lifetime is coming. And, and, you know, once again, they go through all of this as to, wow, everybody's, you know, bid up all these risky assets, and so everything's going to come down 86% before this is over. Well, That sounds so specific that it's almost like, gosh, 86%, that must be true, because, you know, if he was just guessing, he would say 80% or 90%. No, 86%. Um, I I subscribe to, you know, we haven't mentioned Barry Ritholtz in a while, but Barry Ritholtz has this take on people who make big market predictions like this. And yeah. his take on this is that, that anybody who's going to make crash of a lifetime kind of predictions, they get a lifetime punch card where their lifetime punch card has five opportunities to call these big, huge crash of a lifetime things. And once they've punched that off five times, they can't do it anymore. That's it. You're done. Right. And and I think if if this guy, <laughs> Harry Denton, had to, to do the punch card, I think he would have been done punching that card probably about 25 years ago. Um, right. Because- but when they hit.
0: When they hit, they've hit the lottery of what they'll be sending to you on social media.
1: Right. And this is, you know, this is the expression. I'm sure I stole this from somebody somewhere because um, I, I don't think I could have come up with it. But it's, uh, you know, if, if somebody stands outside long enough screaming that it's going to rain, eventually they're going to be right. Right. I mean, eventually. Sure, it, it, it'll rain, or, you know, maybe they're screaming that there's a hurricane coming. Eventually, there's they o. will be view, right.
0: Delaware, the last two weeks, our weather has been outstanding. Only one piece of rain over the evening. This has been over the last couple of weeks,
1: but I, I digress. <laughs> um all right, I think we end things right there. Don't listen to the people that, that have these you know wild predictions there. Um, you know The stock market is a collective consciousness of everyone's thoughts and feelings on, on where the market is and what's fair value right now. Now, can it overreact on the upside or downside? Absolutely. I mean, we've all seen plenty of examples of that. Um, but, I, I, you know, these things where people say, oh, it's going down 86%. I mean, that's just being provocative, just throwing out some ridiculous number, um, you know, either to, <laughs> to try to be that person that nails it and, and gets that one in a million thing right. Or more cynically, I think they're usually trying to sell you something. You know, whether yeah. it's a newsletter, whether, you know, sometimes these people are selling precious metals or, you know, God knows what. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hope uh, hope everybody stays safe and healthy and hoping the, the rest of the year is, is better than it's been so far.